$167,000. I'll shuttle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? It's a charming tune. Hello and welcome to the 30th episode of Bond Music 6 of the best or ongoing series discussing the Bond movie soundtracks. And this month, we settled down with a martini and a stack of Ian Fleming paperbacks as we check out two volumes of Music to Read James Bond by. Of course, I'm your host, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist. Joining me, as always, is my best friend, whether he likes it or not, it is Alan J. Porter. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you, Jared. It's, uh, it's good to be back. Whatever number episode this is, it is good to be back. <laughs> I can't believe we've done 30 of these, plus all the... Brave the ones we did with Brave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is anybody out there still listening? Or Al and I just doing this for each other? <laughs> either way. Hey, it's a way to spend a couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon, isn't it? Not good either way. So if you're new to Six of the Best, I want to welcome you and let you know that, hey, there's 29 more of these you could listen to. And this is how it's going to work, all right? We're going to have an overall discussion of the album, or in this case, albums. Uh, Alan brought two albums this time. Got a little greedy, but I can't talk given what I'm going to bring next week. And for each of these shows, uh, either Alan or I will take the lead. Alan's got the lead on this one, which means from these albums, he got to pick his three favorite tracks. And then he left me with the remains and I picked my three from what he left out. But there was a lot of tracks picked from. And they were really cool. So that's what we're going to do. So we've got the discussion of the album. We've got our three favorite tracks each. That's about it. Sounds good. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Okay. So, as uh, Jared says, after he went minimalist a couple of episodes ago and bought a one CD that had three tracks, <laughs> I thought we'd, it's about time we ramp things up. So, we're going to go, as he said, not for one, but for two albums that make up the Music to Read James Bond by series. And we'll get into that in a bit. But as always, let's kick off with where did we find these? I actually found the first volume of this in a local record store that was called Twist and Shout, any record store that was called Twist and Shout, I had to go in when we lived in Illinois. And uh, it was not longer after I got back into listening to vinyl and was starting to rebuild my record collection. So I probably found volume one, it must have been around 10 years ago, I've had it in the collection. And it took me about another six years to find the second volume, which I found in a local branch of Half Price Books here in Austin, Texas. And I must admit, I tend to listen to album one way more than I listen to album number two, for some reason. Maybe we'll get into that in a minute. When we came up with the idea of continuing this past the soundtracks and we talked about spin-off albums, this was actually the first one that came to mind for me, but it's taken 30. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> However many episodes it is since we've been doing the spin-off albums, it's taken that long for me to actually add it to the, uh, the running order. So, okay, Jared, when did you discover this album? And I'm guessing it's probably when I sent you the link. Well, I actually, I had both of these a couple of years ago. I traded one in at a store called Twist and Shout. And then the second one I sold to Half Price Books several years ago. 
All right, that's not true. Uh, I, it's, it's becoming a running bit that I lie to you about where I got these. Absolutely, Alan, when you sent it to me was the first time I had heard of it. I'm just excited that you mentioned Half Price Books because I used to live in Texas. I love that store. Me too, yes. Joe and I were actually in there yesterday, sold a bunch of books, and walked out without buying another book. That must be what? the first time ever. What? Done that. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know. We were so shocked. We had to go and get a coffee afterwards. <laughs> okay, so let's stop pimping our favorite uh, secondhand bookstore here in Texas and uh, actually get into talking a bit about uh, the album, one of which I picked up there. The story of these two albums, uh, there's not too much about them online, but what I could find sort of goes like this. In 1965, United Artists released the Music to Read James Bond by, and then a year later, uh, released Music to Read James Bond by Volume 2, very imaginatively titled. I'm guessing really this was just a way of riding the coattails of the Bond mania that was happening at the time. There were so many of these Bond music or spy music type album collections put out. The two records featured really what I would call loungy, easy listening covers of tunes from the Bond movies, as well as a few original songs, scores in the same sort of spy vein. They're all in a spy mold designed to go along with your next reading of Fleming. Though I must admit, I actually don't put music on when I'm reading Ian Fleming, so it actually makes these albums a bit pointless, really. But but if you're the sort of person who likes to have background music playing while you're reading a book, then this might might serve. So just to give an example, here's the sort of the marketing behind them. Here's, here's an extract from the sleeve notes from Volume 1. Music to read James Bond by presents the melodies that go hand in hand with the sizzling action of the James Bond adventure. Something is happening all the time, perhaps a nerve-wracking test of strength and endurance with a sinister representative of Spectre, or a romantic dalliance with a voluptuous siren. The artists represent each a major figure in the music world, and they offer their interpretations of the Bond scene with a repertoire composed especially for the Bond flickers of music in the James Bond mood. The true avid James Bond fan will perhaps cleverly take a tip from his idol 007, and embellish the novel and this exciting music with a tasty martini, gently stirred and not shaken. And yes, it actually says stirred, not shaken on the back of the album. <laughs> now settle back and enjoy a delightful evening. I'm still laughing that they went with that, you know, the stirred and not I guess their copy editors were not James Bond fans. No, they like they only saw was it you only looked twice? Lived twice, yeah. <laughs> he got it wrong, but Bond was too polite to correct him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so volume one was released in 1965, which was actually before Only Live Twice, so they couldn't have got it from that. And includes eleven tracks covering the first three movies: Doctor No from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. Clearly evidence and part of the marketing plan that the cover features a young lady painted in gold surrounded by the various Ian Fleming paperbacks. Three tracks on the album are original John Barry or Monty Norman arrangements, while others are covers by a variety of artists. It had two releases, actually, interestingly. It had both a mono, separate mono and stereo releases as an album. Looking around online, I found you can find it from anything between 99 cents to $70. I think I paid around $5.99 for my copy. At that, at that record store that Jared clearly sells his albums to up in Illinois. And so, <laughs> um, Volume 2 was released a year later, as I mentioned, 1966, and includes 12 tracks that relate to just two movies, Goldfinger and Thunderball. 
And this time, the lovely Fleming bibliophile on the cover is in a swimsuit and a diving mask with a nice wavy sea blue background, which I guess means she's meant to be underwater, which would be a bit off for the paperback books that she's supposed to be reading. I think they'd be a bit soggy, but never mind. <laughs> it's a good image. And again, both mono, separate mono and stereo versions were released. This one appears to be a bit more scarce. Uh, like I say, it took me quite a little few years more to find it. And it seems to sell for between 7 and $40 from what I could find online. I think it's only available in vinyl. I couldn't find any CD releases. And the only digital version I can find is on YouTube, which is the link that I sent to, to Jared for him to listen to. So on the Rate Your Music website, uh, Volume 1 gets a 3.31 out of 5. And Volume 2 gets a 3.71 out of 5. So what I found interesting was uh, while I was doing the research for this, many of the similar Bond exploitation albums, which was a term I saw in one blog post, which I think is great for these albums, Bond exploitation albums. So most of them seem to stop after Thunderball. And I don't know why that is. I don't know whether Dion started getting tougher on licensing and or the music rights holders or whatever, or the market had been saturated by them and they were just sort of, you know, weren't getting the returns on them anymore. But I do find it interesting that most of them stopped. It's very rare that I found anything that actually had any music from You Only Live Twice or anything after that on it until we get into the much later compilations and the compilations we've talked about. But these sort of mid-60s ones just all seem to peter out after Thunderball. So if anybody knows if there's a, an actual reason why that happened, I'd love to know the answer to that. And you can drop us a note on our Twitter feed at OHMSpod or drop us a, an email. So I uh, would really uh, like to know more about that. So, Joe, what did you think? Did you put this on to reread your Ian Fleming for the upcoming Rogue Agents episode? <laughs> you know, I didn't, but I should have. I do enjoy listening to Bond music when I read. So I actually did play the Living Daylight soundtrack while I read, spoiler alert, the living daylights that we're going to be covering on the upcoming rogue agents. But this is uh, this is pretty cool. This two set album, I think is really neat and interesting. I've always enjoyed putting on music to read my Fleming by when I first got really serious about reading. Well, not just Fleming, but bond novels that would have been right around to college, maybe just graduating college. And I actually started with the Benson books about 2000, 2001. And I distinctly remember grabbing my vinyl. I had the Dr. No soundtrack, I think, on vinyl. Yeah, it was Dr. No. And playing that while I read my first Benson novel, which was High Time to Kill. So uh, that's a long-winded way of saying, yeah, I dig these. And I could definitely use these while I read my Bond music. Very cool. You are clearly the target audience. That is me. That is me. So having sort of established that these albums, as much as I enjoy listening to them on their own, are actually useless for to me for reading Bond by, they clearly work for Jared. So that's great. <laughs> so let's dig into them. And it was interesting actually having the choice across two albums because I don't know about you, Jared, but I listened to like volume one. I was like, yeah, one, that one, that one, that one. I was like, hang on, I haven't picked anything from volume two. Yeah, I had the same thing. <laughs> Although it was a little easier for me because when I went to pick mine, you already picked, I was like, oh, he got two of the ones I wanted already. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, oh, I can't have them all off volume one. So it was like, and then I was listening to volume two and it's like, oh, yeah, how do I balance that? So that, that was interesting. All right. So let's start with my picks. My first pick is from volume one. It is track number four. And it's track called Black on Pink. I have literally no idea what this track or title has to do with James Bond 
or Ian Fleming. But I love the cool bass line through this track. It's got a fun riff that's very evocative of the 1960s vibe. And the brass section is great. And to be honest, I think this track would work great in something like Casino Royale 67. It sort of has that vibe to it for me. So if that's a Bond connection, and for me, it's a personal one. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I think it would have really fit that sort of mood of the time. So uh, let's give a listen to Black on Pink. Okay, Jarek, what did you uh, think of Black on Pink? I think it was definitely my standout track from the first album. When I gave it the first listen through, I was like, oh, I'm putting that on my list. And then, of course, it was on your list. <laughs> so I was like, ah, ah. It's such a cool, smooth sound that I haven't really heard before. And like you said, it doesn't really tie to anything directly to Bond, but it definitely has a vibe to it that is very cool and very welcome on the album. So yeah, Black on Pink. Two thumbs up from me. Good. Yeah, we seem to be getting more 
more and more in the habit of picking the same things. I don't know whether our musical taste is over 30 episodes is sort of coming together. Or How do you feel about Bond beats and bass? Oh, okay. All right. Let's <laughs> prove my theory. <laughs> well, it was a long time ago, so maybe yeah. we are merging. Okay, so uh, with that unpleasantness behind us, let's move on to my second track. This is the only one of my three picks that is actually a version of a Bond theme. It is track number seven from the first album. It's by Al Cayola, who I believe we actually had a track from on a previous episode, but I can't remember what it was on one of the other Bond exploitation albums that we've covered. But uh, this is his version of From Russia With Love. And again, I love my good bass lines. This has got a great bass line that just grows into a cool orchestral arrangement. And I found this one actually is probably more suspenseful than the John Barry arrangement. It seems a bit more menacing, I found. But it definitely has that definite 60s espionage spy feel to it. So let's listen to uh, Alcayola's version of From Russia With Love.
So suspenseful, funky. What What do you think, Jared? Yeah, I was going to say a little funky, a little jazzy, a little fun. Again, as I was listening to that first disc, I was like, yep, put this one on my list. And nope, Alan already picked it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, there was, you know, these, both of these albums have, you know, sort of what you might consider interesting remixes or versions of Bond songs. And this was a standout. Uh, it's definitely a standout for, like you said, this song was peppy and different, but had enough of the original flavor to it that, you know, it's just, uh, just outstanding. Really enjoyed it. Good. Good. Did you mean interesting in a good way or interesting in quotation marks? No, interesting in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it quite a bit. Good. Good. So let's move on from the first volume uh, to my pick, third pick, which is actually from the, uh, from the second volume. It's track number five by Leroy Holmes, and it is called, very imaginatively, Espionage. And I think this is another one for me that was a very 60s spy vibe. Again, not necessarily directly Bondian, but parts of it, for me, it could have been used in a Man from Uncle or Mission Impossible series or something like that. So uh, let's give it a listen and see whether Jared agrees with me that it has that 60s spy show vibe.
So what do you think of espionage? Well, we're three for three now on tracks that you picked that I wanted. because <laughs> <laughs> Kind of the way I did both of these. I just kind of played them in the background while I was doing other stuff, doing some drawing, doing some cleaning up of my studio, my rooms, kind of, you know, background music, maybe wallpaper music, if you will. And then, like, when I'm doing that, and then I kind of hear one that stands out to me, then I kind of perk up, and I just kind of j- I just jot it down. So I said, oh, I like this one, espionage. And then, of course, I looked at the online notes for the show, and so you got me again. And <laughs> I was like, all right, no espionage, no from Rush with Love, no Black Hot Bank. That's all right. I still found some stuff. We'll get to it in a minute. I don't know why I had this in the notes, but when I was listening to this, parts of it reminded me of the Pink Panther cartoon. Yeah, I hear that. And it also put me in mind of another sort of espionage movie that I really enjoy, which is Charade. It sounds like it could be on the Charade. Oh, yeah. Yes, it actually does in part sound like Charade. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also another excellent soundtrack. But, and a very Should good we movie cover too. it on the show? <laughs> <laughs> Do you own it? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I have it on vinyl. So. All right. That was a sneaky way of finding something out because I just... Picked it up at vinyl at Goodwill yesterday. I thought, it was <laughs> but now I guess it's not for you. Yeah. <laughs> I literally found it at Goodwill yesterday. Yeah, I said, "Oh, I'm buying this for Alan," but you already have it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I had two copies. So, oh, you want three? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. But uh, it is an excellent soundtrack. Okay, so I guess with that having foiled all of Jared's initial plans, let's hand it over to Jared to see what he eventually did pick from what was left. All right. Like I said, luckily there was plenty of good stuff left. So I'll get going back to volume one and we'll go right to track five, which is Perez Prado's version of Goldfinger. Cause who's going to pass up on like a salsa merengue version of Goldfinger? Not me. Let's listen to it.
right, Alan, what do you think about that? Got your hips moving on that one or what? So this made me realize that there is a vital scene missing from the Goldfinger movie, a nightclub scene. He needed Pusfella's Bar or the Junk Canoe <laughs> yes. or something where they could have included a version of the theme like this as background music. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I love that. It doesn't fit the movie at all, but it's actually wonderful. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't know where you'd stick it in actual Goldfinger, but no, that's why I said he needs. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't see Felix coming out of Kentucky Fried Chicken swinging. <laughs> He's pretty happy with his purchase, you know. <laughs> no, yeah. If they'd have figured out some way of getting some sort of nightclub scene, they were in Miami. That could have worked down there in Miami at the very beginning. Salsa merengue music is very popular there, but uh, yeah, I think it's great. Anytime you can kind of put a new twist on an old classic i'm always a fan so yeah that was goldfinger by perez prado well let's move on to my second pick which is i want to be a james bond girl that's the name of the track i'm not making a declaration not yet anyway that's called i want to be a james bond girl it's from volume two it is track number six and we're welcoming back leroy holmes because it's his track now i pretty much couldn't resist the title like i saw the title and i was like i have to know more about this track and then when I played it and heard how jazzy and fun the track was, man, I couldn't resist putting on the list. So let's go back to Leroy Holmes, volume two, track six. I want to be a James Bond girl.
All right. I can't get enough of that. It's a lot of fun. And also reminds me of a Pink Panther cartoon sounding track. But anyway, Alan, what do you got? Yeah, I love the title too. But the thing is about this song, it just it makes me wonder whether there's a single out there with a really naff lyric by a group of girl singers like, I don't know, the Shirelles or somebody that, <laughs> that actually goes along with, with this title and this thing. Somebody must have put lyrics to a title and a track like this. I was actually in the middle of Googling that when you came back to me to see if there was actually some lyrics out there. Because for me, that's what it's crying out for, is some sort of girl group, 60s bubblegum type lyric to it, I think. Yeah. Well, if you can't find it, the rogue agents will get on top of that. We'll, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> we'll record some lyrics. <laughs> you get Pat on his ukulele, we'll be good. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, let's get to my third and final pick, which is... License to Kill by Leroy Holmes again. That's his third appearance on this episode, so I think we're Leroy Holmes fans here. It's on volume two, track 11. And of course, when I saw License to Kill, I saw the title, much like I want to be a James Bond girl. It called out to me. License to Kill is my favorite James Bond film. And yes, I know the film is like 25 years away from being made when the song is recorded, but I still was like, I want to hear a track called License to Kill. And the track did not disappoint. And like I said, I think I've become a Leroy Holmes fan because this track would feel right at home on any of my Bond soundtracks. So let's listen to Leroy Holmes's License to Kill.
So there we have our final track, a little more Leroy Holmes. What do you think of License to Kill? I think it was a lovely orchestral piece. I think the problem I've got with it now, of course, is because it's titled License to Kill 25 years before the movie. I'm hearing License to Kill in my head, and it's like this, you know, like listening to their versions of Goldfinger or From Russia with Love, it's like, okay, that's a, it's very different, but I know it's that theme. For a piece of music to be called License to Kill, I think my brain is expecting it to have at least some resemblance to the movie theme. So I actually think in retrospect, having that title on it, does it a bit of a disservice because I'm not disconnecting the two. But if I try and keep the title, it being called License to Kill away from my mind, um, not easy to do. Yeah, it's a nice laid back orchestral piece. I wouldn't say it necessarily evokes Bond for me or even the spy genre, but it's a nice, easy listening piece. I think it would play well on a Bond track is a real subtle one. You know, while Bond is doing something loungy, you know, it's kind of funny if you go back and watch, you know, Dr. No, they play that Bond theme when he walks through the airport, when he goes to his hotel room, you know, <laughs> they blare that Bond theme. So this would have been kind of nice, a little more chilled for when he does more subtle things, I think. But yeah, anyway, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed both of these albums that you brought. So we've had ourselves another fine, fun time. Cool. And by the way, I did a quick search on I Want to Be Your James Bond Girl lyrics. I found an entry for I Want to Be James Bond Girl songs and lyrics by Ray Barreto with a link to Spotify. But I actually couldn't find any like transcribed lyrics. So I don't know whether there's another version out there that does have lyrics because I haven't listened to it. But I've added it to my Spotify list and will report back at some point as to whether it actually does have lyrics attached. All right. The mystery will be solved at some point. Yeah, at some point, yeah. All right. So based on having listened to the two albums, I think it's time to rate it on our regular Bond rating system. Um, What we usually do for new folks is rate the albums or the songs we bring on a one to seven basis based on how much this album should be in a Bond fan's audio library. So not necessarily how much we liked it, but how much we think it should be in your library if you're a fan of Bond music. So based on that, Jared, how would you rank this one? Or actually these two. And I think it really boils down to what kind of a Bond fan you are. I mean, if you're just like the movies, I would probably say it's a four. If you like Fleming, you know, and the way it was created to go hand in hand with the books, with the cover art and all that, I think it bumps it up a bit and makes it a five. My personal enjoyment out of it was probably a five or a six. But to answer the question, Alan, I'm going to put it right at a five. What about you? Yeah, I, I've actually found this a bit of a strange set because this is actually, you know, music to read James Bond by. It you know has the Fleming novels on the front. It talks in, on the back about settling down with a martini to read your Fleming. And then it's all movie music. And that's a bit of a disconnect for me. Well, kind of. There's definitely some tracks that weren't in the <laughs> But there's also some tracks that weren't in the movie. So... I would have actually liked to have maybe had some tracks that were inspired by the novels. Um, mm, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. You know, that's what I would have expected, not necessarily other versions of the, the movie music. As much as I like some of them, I think it didn't quite hit its purpose. So for that reason, I think I'd probably put it down at a, as a round of four. 
you know, if you're the sort of person, idiots like us that just go out and find you know, anything that has the word Bond on it and has music, you'll get it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to bring get some it. absolute garbage to this show at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you already have what you mean, Will. Oh, oh, no. Why? Why did that have to happen? <laughs> you know, I don't think it's garbage, but I don't think it's the best. I, I think it's it's a good mid, mid of the, middle of the pack. Yeah, I think it's really cool, especially Alvin. if you put yourself in the headspace of of the time, Bond yeah. mania. You know, you could definitely see these kind of things popping up at your local record store. Yeah. I'll give them kudos for a different approach by taking the music to read Bond by labeling and positioning. That's different than, oh, here's a compilation of your favorite spy movie mm-hmm. themes, you know? Yeah. They try something different. They try a different approach. And, you know, kudos to them for that. Absolutely. And that is going to bring us... To the end of this episode of Bomb Music 6 of the Best. If you've got a question or a comment, you can email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or comment on Twitter at ohmspod. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast and your favorite podcast platform. You get this, you get Rogue Agents, you get whatever Van and Allen are doing and that stuff. And if you will leave us a rating and a review, that'd be great. In fact, I think they're going back through all the movies right now. So if you're a movie person, you're not going to miss those episodes. Now, if you want to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And you can find my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com, which, of course, does include all the Bond actors on pages from the Bond novels. Alan, what are you up to and where can you be found? You can always find me online at Bond Lexicon on Twitter and at James Bond Lexicon on Instagram and Tumblr. And of course, we have our jamesbondlexicon.online website, which is a companion website to the James Bond Lexicon book, available from all your various favorite online book retailers. And actually, on the website, we have just started a new archive of various articles that I've written on James Bond over the last several years, which were on another website, but that website's gone out of business. So to preserve those and we have actually just started a new section of 007 articles on the James Bond Lexicon website. And over the coming months, we will be republishing various Bond-related writings of mine. Well, there is that. We're just putting Bond content out in the universe for everybody, man. And you know what? At this point in the show, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, forgive me if I mispronounce it. I think it's Bruce Kanan. Could be Canon. I'm not sure. But Bruce usually stops by to comment on our Twitter posts. And I'm just looking at one of his comments from the more recent one when we did come spy with us and he usually jumps in to say something cool about it, add some information, whatever. We always appreciate that. So I just want to give a quick shout out and Hey, if that's encouraging to other people to kind of get involved in the musical discussion, well, all the better. We look forward to hearing from you. Yes. I actually always wait to see what Bruce has to say. Each time a new episode comes out. And- <laughs> Yes. And he's you our said, number he, one fan. I think I told him he's our number one. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like you said, he quite often provides additional information and picks up on things that we, we may have missed, which is always fun and useful. Like I said earlier, if people can always add to the stories of the things that we've talked about in the research, really appreciate that. Okay, so thank you for joining us for this episode. This episode's tracks are from the Music to Read James Bond by vinyl albums. Like we said, available on vinyl and also can be found on YouTube. As always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or via CD or vinyl. Please support the Bond creative community. We will be back with six of the best as we will return with Jared's next pick and where he tries to outdo me and instead of it being two albums, (laughs) it will be four. 
So Jared's next pick will be the ultimate James Bond film music collection by the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. I'm looking forward to that one. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll be fun. We might have some extra exciting surprises in store for you. Maybe, I don't know, some international guests. I don't know. I might have said too much. We'll see you then. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Welcome back. This is our 13th episode of Bond Music, six of the best. This is our I, I, I think you mean 30th. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just try this next Sunday. I'm going to go now. <laughs> oh, Perhaps we should stop writing this out and, let, and spelling it out and put the numbers up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing good, Alan. All right. Let's see if I can get to two sentences. Let's try this again.